Jeff, if you can hear me, go get a bunch of aluminum cans, empty them, tear them apart, and start making body armor now. The zombies are coming. Jeff, the zombies are coming. <laughs> X-ray. And welcome to the Beer Vana Show, which of course you can also download as a podcast. So it's the Beer Vana Show slash podcast. <laughs> we join you today in social isolation once again, as we did last time. I join you from the far south, southeast Portland. Uh, Jeff from inner southeast Portland. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Patrick. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm hanging in. How are you? You think it, normally uh, Selwood does not seem super far from me, but given our current condition, you feel very far away. Yeah, Selwood to the Buckman is uh, is usually a pretty quick little hop, skip, and a jump. But yeah, I don't venture very far at all. Yeah, this this uh, the pandemic has really made the world seem much bigger. Weirdly, <laughs> well, yeah, world is bigger, and my life is smaller. <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah it feels like a major expedition just to like get up and go to the supermarket it's like okay like everyone gets ready it's like okay do i have everything i need do i know everything we're gonna okay here we go and off i go like i feel like an arctic explorer or something like and make the journey the half mile journey to the grocery store and i come back with my trophies and then it's it, the grocery store is, seems to be filled with menace. You look around and people aren't wearing masks, and you think, "Oh man, it's weird." I, I I actually went to uh, to uh, Target last week, and it was honestly just sort of spooky because people were keeping their distance as they should, but also because of it, people were like speaking in really hushed tones, just sort of mm -hmm. whispering, whispering, <laughs> and like. And the and the store was mostly empty, and there was a bunch of like workers trying to restock shelves and stuff. But um, uh, I guess because I went in the afternoon, my my sense now is that like everyone shows up first thing in the morning to get stuff that quickly runs off the shelf. Um, right. So I go in the, I go in the afternoons for the half empty shelves and and uh, and the quiet, sparsely <laughs> sparsely populated times. But yeah, it just feels it just it just felt weird. Just weird. But anyway, <laughs> on that happy note, yeah, on that happy note, we're here to do a podcast. You got to make the best of things. Honestly, things aren't so bad. Just hanging out. Uh, I have uh, a wife who is a third grade teacher. I have a son who is an eighth grade student, and so they're both. This week was the the week that it really started. They got after kind of what they called an extended spring break. They're really getting the curriculum out now. So things have started, which allows us to add a little more structure, but also actually keeps things quite busy. And then I'm mm -hmm. teaching. I'm teaching from home uh, via Zoom. Um, please don't Zoom bomb me. <laughs> so far, <laughs> so far, I've not had any Zoom bombers, but the university has had Zoom bombers. So, but I teach my little live lectures during my class times, and then everything else is sort of on the class website. And then my son, who takes, who's finishing high school at the local community college, um, is doing the same. He's taking all his classes remotely, and we will through the rest of the year. And they haven't actually called the public schools closed for the whole year, but I'm assuming it's it's around the corner because I think I know Washington has it. I think California has too. Yeah, I think I think it's inevitable given how late in the the year it will have been and how much school they will already have missed. I think it wouldn't make sense to start it up in late April anyway. That would seem weird. Yeah, it's a bummer though. I actually because I was fed up with the way that the health authority in the state. And the local press was reporting 
the statistics out of Oregon, I started just keeping track of, because they would just do cumulative numbers. That's what the help, they'll say, this many tests have been done up to this date, and this many people have tested positive up to this date. And of course, what we're all interested in is how good a job we're doing bending our curve. Yeah, and we've been doing a great job, and yeah, yeah, you've been uh, you've been looking at this. So, what did you, what have you found? Well, yeah, I just keep I just keep an Excel sheet where I just I uh, take the aggregate numbers and I break them up into daily totals, and uh, yeah, we're doing phenomenally well. Um, our 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 positive rate it's actually holding steady, even perhaps even on a downward trend. Our testing is still seems to be relatively paltry, but I think that's just the state of the world at the moment. That's right. I mean, you can you can there's a little bit of a cross kind of uh, confirmation you can look at there, which is deaths. And our deaths are also low. So I think it's at least apples to apples. You know, you can you can look at the trend line and, and I don't think our testing is getting worse. So No, no. In fact, it was sort of ramping up. It got it slowed down a little bit over the weekend. But because we're testing so few people, you might expect that we're catching a lot of positives and we're actually not. Um, our, our, our percentage is uh, yesterday was 4.1% who got tests was positive. Day before, 5.4%. And it's been sort of hovering right around 5% like uh, the whole time. So good job, Oregonians, for your social distancing. And Yeah, I'm a little bit of a, a data nerd like you too. And I've been watching the numbers tick up. And uh, in the past week, the number of confirmed cases in the United States has gone up 118%. And here in uh, Flatten the Curve, Oregon, it's only gone up uh, 60%. So we're doing good. Yeah. Yeah. When you look at those state by state comparisons, we're actually one of the slowest yeah. growing states, which is fantastic. So, yes. so we're doing a great job. Maybe it, the, the hard thing is you can't, it's, we're not on little islands. Right. So uh, I would say, I was mentioning this at, uh, with respect to public schools. We're actually doing a pretty good job, but if you open back up too soon and right. neighboring states still have too much, then you could, you could start a new wildfire. So so I get it, but I find it a little bit sad. Yo, it's um, terrible. <laughs> so I don't think we ever finished the introduction. We should probably should. <laughs> First off, we should let you know that we are not at the studios of X-Ray FM, but we are still on X-Ray FM. And X-Ray FM is listener-supported radio uh, right now because of social distancing. We're not all crowded in the little studio. So think about reaching out to X-Ray FM and, and helping them out a little bit during this time. Yeah, that's a good point. It's uh, it's challenging, and the the support needed is both it embodies and money. So, look into supporting your local institutions when they need you the most. Yes, uh, you of course are Jeff Allworth. You have written several books: The Beer Bible, The Woodmer Way, and I believe you just finished the update to the Beer Bible. That's right. I turned it in a week ago. A week ago, yeah, exactly a week ago. All right, congratulations! Thank you. I, I'm raising my glass. I'm raising my glass to you right now. Oh, excellent! Uh, I have not, I have not waited for the for the podcast to to begin having a, a beer. We're actually doing an odd thing. I think this is probably the latest time we've ever recorded a podcast. It's it's nine o'clock at night or nine thirty almost now. Yep, which is good beer drinking time. Turns out. Yeah, yeah. I'm drinking a a Schweiketer uh, Wiener Lager. Uh, Vienna Lager from the original brewery that made it, uh, which I received as a gift from Nat West, who we've been mentioning a lot. But, uh, oh, yeah. This is kind of unrelated. Good friend of the pod, Nat. Yeah, good friend of the pod. He got a shipment straight from Vienna. Reverend Nat, as he is known professionally. Yes. So this came straight from Vienna, uh, and it is really a fresh, wonderful example, and it is 
truly one of the world's fine beers. And it's it's kind of relevant to the podcast we'll be doing today. And I'll, I'll mention why that is when we when we get around to the meat and potatoes of that pod. Well, I'm jealous. No one, no world travelers have brought me beer, but I did uh, in an effort to support local breweries. Um, uh, I don't know how common, maybe you have heard more recently, but through a quirk of Oregon law, a lot of these breweries that have brew pub licenses or brewery licenses are allowed to home deliver their beer. That's right. And so many, many local breweries have started home delivery service. And so I happen to be drinking a gigantic the Shake and Shimmy Juicy IPA right now, which was uh, hand-delivered to me on my doorstep by the good folks at uh, Gigantic Brewing here in Southeast Portland, just a stone's throw from where I live. So a um, friend of the pod, Van Havig, from Gigantic, is actually doing some of those deliveries. Did he do – Did he? were you fortunate to have him do your delivery? It was not he, no. Uh, it was um, – I think it was, uh, her name was Emily. And uh, it's possible that she might be related to Van Havik. Yeah, she. I, well, it's the same Emily. <laughs> Van Havik has a wife named Emily. So uh, there you go. Yes, this was she. So Van <laughs> Havik's wife. I, I believe it's just Van Van and Ben Love were the two founders of Gigantic. I believe they're doing the deliveries and with Emily. Yeah. And so uh, Emily delivered my beer. It was awesome. I got a case of the Shake and Shimmy Juicy IPA, and then I got a case of their Kolsch-tastic, let's call it the, a Kolsch-style beer. Indeed, a great beer. In fact, if when you get your copy of the Beer Bible uh, out, coronavirus willing, before Father's Day 2021, look in the Kolsch section and see what one of the beers to know is. You might be, oh, is that right? You might be impressed. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic beer. It's a, <laughs> and again, it's a good. This is a this is a good uh, segue into to our uh, show uh, tonight. I guess say tonight, which is kind of cool because normally we record during the day. But it airs on X-ray FM at night, although that may change apparently. Uh, so anyway, tonight's show will have relevance to these kinds of beers that you might like to have around during a pandemic. <laughs> but before, <laughs> but before we get started, we'd like to thank Breakside Brewery for sponsoring this episode of the Beer Vana Show. You can find them in Slabtown, Woodlawn, and Milwaukee, Oregon. After social distancing is over, uh, or at Breakside.com, I know that they are also doing. Uh, sales out their door of the tasting room at least i'm not sure about their other two locations they are doing it from all three of their locations oh i knew you'd know yes i checked that so out. you can still you can still enjoy lovely breakside beer go to them you can also find them obviously in local re uh, retail establishments in oregon and wherever else they're distributed which i forget now you told us but <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> uh okay was that a good was that a good endorsement uh that was spectacular as always well done Excellent. Excellent. All right. So uh, let's 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 introduce people to the, the, the concept of today's show. We decided uh, to a, attempt to distract ourselves from all this pandemic business by thinking about some nice, tasty beer. But since the reality is the virus is dominating all our attention, uh, we thought it was high time for a desert island show. And uh, that is if you found yourself on a desert island or, say, sheltering in place uh, under a stay-at-home rule uh, during a pandemic, uh, what beers would you absolutely positively have to have stocked in the fridge? So that's going to be fun, actually. Yeah, I think I think it'll be a fun little game, and we're all looking for fun little games now. My Twitter feed is filled with things like uh, best album from 1988, go stuff like that. So this is uh, kind of in the vein of that. <laughs> There's a lot of like type uh, your birth year into Google and something else, and then see what pops up. 
I don't do yeah. that because <laughs> I don't do that because that's always shocking. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about your uh, your pandemic beers in a moment, but first we have to do the news. The response to the coronavirus has had a hugely disproportionate effect on American breweries. It has actually been good for overall sales. In fact, for off-premise sales, that is grocery and convenience stores, the four-week period ending March 22nd, dollar sales increased 18%, boosting growth for 2020 to over 10%. Every segment within the beer industry saw growth, and every one of the top 25 breweries saw growth except one, Stone Brewing. Old standbys like Sierra Nevada Pale, Boston Lager, and Fat Tire all grew over those four weeks, ending years of decline. Interesting. Yeah. So if you've got if you've got a supermarket presence, you're doing quite well. Yeah. So everyone ran to the supermarkets. We're, we're seeing people rediscover old favorites like uh, Sierra Nevada Pale and Boston Lager. So that's kind of cool in one way because many of those beers are real classics and, and worth revisiting, and people don't have occasion yeah, to do so it. Yeah. So why? What do you? What's your? What do you think? going on there why do people going back to like sierra nevada pale instead of like the cool local new thing well i think in a lot of places uh you go into a grocery store and your selection is just not nearly as as advanced as it is here right. you know you don't you don't have hundreds of yeah. options so um you know they here in nevada is also doing really well with hazy little thing i think it, it was the top craft skew if memory serves so they're you know other, other brands that these breweries are offering are also doing well. But I think people are standing at those cold cabinets and looking at all the beers and thinking, you know what? I haven't had a Sierra Nevada Pale in a long time, and here's a half rack, and let's just give this a, a go. Yeah, it comes in It comes in bigger. A lot of this stuff comes in bigger uh, units than um, some of the craft beers, which you might get a four or six pack, but not a 12 or 24 pack. That's right. Yeah. So that's part of it. Uh, I also think that people are, you know, when you're doing – uh, all this like apocalypse hoarding, whatever, whatever it is people are doing. Uh, I think that they're suddenly getting a little bit price sensitive too. And so if you're coming in yeah. at a lower price point, that's going to, that's suddenly a real big thing. I think the other thing you've often talked about experienced goods. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think when you have limited funds, you're less, you're less risk, you're more risk averse in terms of those experiences. You want to go with an old reliable. Uh, so I think maybe that's another reason why people are going back to some, some of these brands. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about till this moment, so it may be a stupid thought, but I have no filter. So go ahead. It may also be that, um, some of these sort of, I, I don't want to like slag them off as like low and lowest common, but crowd pleasing beers might be useful if you have a household full of, um, drinkers. That's right. That's right. It's more, it, it appeals yeah. to more people. Uh, I also think that this is a blip and that. There's going to be a there's already and it's going to be a pretty dramatic drop in aggregate demand in the U.S. So demand for everything is going to start shrinking, especially things that can be cut. I mean, maybe for a lot of our listeners, beer might be like top of the list of absolute necessities. You know, you'd cut out medicine or something before beer, but <laughs> but uh, uh, but for a lot of people, uh, you might start cutting way back on on beer. So I I wonder what's going to happen in the next few weeks. Well, on that happy note, let me go to the second item. Okay. <laughs> However, it was much worse for small breweries that depend on draft sales. Today, Brewers Association economist Bart Watson released some of the scary details. In a survey of 455 breweries, he found 
that 46% said their businesses will likely last only between one and three months. And 13% uh, thought they could only last another month. Wow. Really alarmingly, uh, 2.5 said they were already planning to close. Sales for the breweries uh, dropped, for these breweries that are draft-only breweries, dropped an average of 68%. Uh, Overall, Watson said the category was down 29%. So that's uh, all of the the craft breweries that the Brewers Association looks at are down 29%, and that's even with the growth in the supermarket brands. It's crazy because I remember saying – uh, just recently that like the brew pub model is a great model because you can sell, sell on premise. You've got a kitchen you can make money off of. And oh, this is like the can't miss. Totally. Uh, and of course now it's like uh, completely topsy turvy and anyone who's got their product in retail packages and are in retail, pre- have a retail presence are in much better shape. And those were exactly the breweries we were uh, writing obituaries for uh, two months ago. <laughs> Here they are yeah. finding second life. We've heard similar things from local breweries about having, you know, uh, in fact, you can go to your blog because I've read some of these diaries uh, and, and you'll hear things about having not a whole lot of reserves to, uh, to weather this storm out. Yeah. So um, it's scary. It is indeed. Uh, but have faith, people. Keep social isolating because uh, you can go to my other Twitter feed, my, my uh, Oregon Economics Twitter feed and see the charts for Oregon. Yeah. It's working. It is working. And let's just hope that some SBA funds come through and these breweries can figure out ways to stay alive. Yes. Yeah. I know. That's critical. I really think that that's like the, the most critical component now. I mean, I, I think they did a good job and they'll have to keep doing getting the unemployment insurance out and getting people, uh, making people somewhat, not whole, of course, but recovered a little bit uh, of income. Uh, but they're really going to have to try now and save as many of these small businesses as they can. So yeah. it's going to take it's going to take a massive effort. It seems like there's political will, but I hope so. I think I think um, as I mentioned last pod, I think at least another two trillion is is in is called for, and maybe even more, maybe even double that. Right. Because if you're penny wise now, you'll be pound foolish later, as they say. All right. Well, this is an interesting one because of the timing. We note a transition. Cascade Brewing, maker of intensely sour fruit ales, has been sold. Art Larence, an industry veteran who co-founded Portland Brewing in 1986 before moving on to Cascade, sold the brewery to a group of four local investors who each have ownership stakes in other Oregon breweries. In 2018, Cascade produced around 2,000 barrels. Larence, who is in his mid-70s, called it a retirement, though he does still own the Oregon Brewers Festival. Yeah. I, I was talking on Twitter. I would actually, of all the breweries, if I could inherit any of them, I think I might like to take a run at Cascade. I think it's got a great brand, a great niche. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 2,000 barrels, given the price point of a lot of their product, is quite a bit of beer. Yeah. So I, I I don't know that this brewery is in, in such terrible shape. And I think we're starting to see a lot of this. Uh, we've, we've actually reported on this in the past that other uh septuagenarians and octogenarians are getting out of the beer industry just because that's, you know, it's time to retire. And I think Cascade's salad days are a little bit behind it, but it's certainly a viable enterprise. And, you know, I think maybe with a little retooling, uh, it's got such a strong identity and strong brand that it could really bounce back. Um, so I, I, I don't look for Cascade to be collapsing here. Yeah. I mean, not only do they have a, like a particular niche, but they also have a strong reputation for quality. It is interesting, the timing, 
uh, in the very midst of all of this, uh, the, the transition, the, the sale was announced. I suppose it was all done and dusted before they announced that. Yeah, it had to be because it was, you know, those things don't happen quickly. And it was announced uh, last week. So um, it seems like it. they had to have been talking about it before this. Yeah. And because the, this brewery uh, does not have a huge amount of on-premise sales, so I, it's that's probably actually not the worst thing in the world for them. Yes. Yeah. Compared to other breweries. Although I do wonder, I think that I think that now uh, operating. Well, we'll see. But I I'm worried that operating in kind of the luxury end of the the high price point end of the uh, the beer market right now uh, might turn into a challenge. I totally agree. I think that's a big issue, and we'll we're just gonna have to see what where things are, you know, in six yeah. months. All right. Well, that's too much doom and gloom. So let's turn, let's turn to our so, yeah. let's turn to beer. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you why don't you get us started? Why don't you introduce the whole sort of concept? Because this is something that you've been doing for for ages. It's true. Actually, one of my fun uh, everyone's got fun drinking games. One of my fun drinking games, conversational games, is to ask people partly just as a way to get to know who they are. If you were stranded on a desert island uh, or tropical island, if you prefer that. And you could only have five styles of beer, so I wouldn't limit them just to five beers, but say five styles. Uh, what would those be yeah. for the rest of your life? You couldn't deviate from that. And it's kind of one of those parlor games that forces the mind to consider uh, what you really like and what, you know, would, would, if you had to pare it down to five, what you would Although, go for. Uh, and it, it's, kind of, it's kind of revealing when you hear people talk. I remember somebody uh, once had these really oddball collections, mm-hmm. that, like five radically different beers. And I said, whoa, what is going on? Yeah. Including he had doubles in there, Belgian doubles, which is one of the few times I've heard that. And I said, what's going on? He said, I like alcoholic <laughs> beers. Those are all really alcoholic styles. So, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, setting it up as a desert island or a tropical yeah. island is a little bit of a, a little bit of a bias setup because you might start thinking of hot, humid days. We're, what we're going to do, what we're going to do today is take it into right. social isolation. So if you're here, you can only make, if you want to try to limit, let me put it this way, if you, you're trying to limit your trips to the store. And so you're loading up for the next month or something, or two or three months if you're in your apocalypse bunker in your backyard. Uh, what what beers would you want Would you want with you? Right. So I don't know how you think about this, but when you set this challenge to me, I thought about a few things. Uh, one is that uh, I I immediately turned away from sort of like the best beers I could think of, uh, and towards beers that I would want to drink over and over and over and over and over continuously. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, as you said, the Belgian double, I you know I, that led me immediately away from stronger beers, from uh, sort of exotic beers, things that I'd love to have once, once in a while, a little bit of here and there. And into just sort of uh, real, real sort of quaffable beers that I would like to to just have uh, overflowing from my fridge. I don't know how you thought about. It. Yeah, I, I really thought about it, and I, I am definitely not a, a typical beer drinker. Uh, when you write the beer bible, it, you go through it's like getting a PhD in beer, and you're exposed to every single beer out there, including weird farmhouse ales from Lithuania. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> And the the fascinating thing that happened to me was I began to appreciate all those different beers, ones that absent the compelling desire to travel to a country where they're made and talk to a brewer who makes them. Um, I just formed an opinion kind of based on 
my flavor preferences and, and those things. Right. But once I did that, then I started to revisit them and, and it was very difficult for me to dislike any beer. There are a few beer styles I don't love, um, but very few. So when I thought about this, I was thinking, uh, how am I going to scratch all the itches? Yes. Because periodically I start craving a particular vein of beer and there's no way to scratch it uh, unless I get in, get something in the, in the range. And uh, yes. So for me, I was thinking of it that way. And, and some of the beers that I have are, are stronger. So uh, I didn't, I didn't go entirely uh, through sessionable beers, although that would totally be a way to go. By the way, long-term, long-time listeners of the pod might remember the dog of the pod, uh, my dog Cooper, when we used to record occasionally at my house. Yeah. Uh, he has asked to be let into the studio, which uh, also doubles as my basement rumpus room. Uh, so if you hear some doggy noises, I think you're about to hear doggy noises because he's found a ball. Uh, uh, everyone say hello to Cooper. <laughs> hey, Cooper. <laughs> Cooper's back. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was yeah. Studio Two there, and I'm in Studio One. Uh, yes, and uh, yeah, we're now split studios. That's yes. right. <laughs> so we have all the old, all the old, the old characters are back for this show. Excellent. Yeah, so I thought about that as well. I thought about beers that I would. Uh, I did think about variety, and I thought about especially beers that I would want uh, in different types of weather in different times of day with different foods with different moods uh so i was trying to think of uh, a selection that would kind of cover a lot of the bases the other thing i thought about uh, for me i as i pondered i decided to go this route and i doubt you did but i decided i wanted to think about a few things that mattered um, especially in these days and might matter to other people's uh, I was thinking about affordability. Mm, interesting. A good, a nice economist move there. Yeah, a, a widely available and available in cans, which I think uh, work better in my apocalypse bunker. Oh, cans. I thought cans cans would store well. They they hold the beer well. They stack well. Uh, when you're done, you can make body armor out of, <laughs> out of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, when people try to take over my apocalypse bunker. Uh, it's a pandemic, man. It's not the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> For you, it's a pandemic. I see. I, I see. I've seen World War Z. I know what happens when people <laughs> get infected. It could easily, uh, the next pandemic, maybe a zombie apocalypse, not a pandemic. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm halfway in my bunker already. I'm in my basement room, and uh, pretty soon I'll be... I'll be uh, behind a huge wall of, of, of beer in aluminum cans. <laughs> okay. Definitely. See, this is, this is one of the fun things about this, uh, this exercise is people begin to offer extremely abstruse uh, descriptions of why they came <laughs> to certain conclusions. And those, that's, that's really the, the, the beer is not so interesting. It's the, uh, it's the rationale. So I think that my selection is going to be really good for, for the real world people out there who are shopping every few weeks in the local supermarket trying to be really good social isolators. Uh, and you're just going to have like crazy exotic stuff. That's my guess. <laughs> you know me well. Uh, none of my beers are available in America. Uh, oh, no. I'm sorry. One of them is. So, yes, that's true. <laughs> True. I also right. have a, before we get started, I have, I have a bet. I bet that there is one beer that's going to be common to our list. One and only one. 
I think I know which one you think we had in common, and I considered it, but I went a different direction. Okay, well, let's get started. I'll just go ahead and say it then. All right. Well, as I started my list, I do want a fair amount of variety in different styles, but I did think about styles that were very drinkable, uh, but interesting, kind of a little bit exciting. And the first, and mm-hmm. the first one, and this is actually the only import, no, but it's a widely available import, but not necessarily like uh, at the Quickie Mart, uh, which is uh, Cezanne Dupont. Oh, that is not what I expected you to say. I expected you to say Fuller's London Pride. Oh, I have that on my list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually i kind of cheated i said london applied or esb uh, uh, uh yes so uh that's funny that was not yeah you're right i didn't think i didn't think you would have that i don't know why but i really thought you would have saison dupont uh i uh i considered it at one one thing i also was considering was not, not talking about the beers we always talk about. So we've talked about Saison DuPont ah. so often that I have, I, I have it listed as an well, alternate, but uh, it was not my I main failed beer. that test already then. Uh, and I'll keep failing that test. Yeah. So I picked Saison DuPont because uh, it's an amazing beer. It's very drinkable. Yeah. We're heading into summer now. It's a great summer beer, but it's also a great spring and fall beer, even a winter beer. I mean, it's kind of an amazing, it's kind of an amazing beer. It's got, it's, it's very, drinkable but has an extraordinary depth to something that's not like uh uh massive massively alcoholic or has like huge flavors it just has lots and lots of interesting subtlety in it and it's a beer i could just keep drinking and drinking and drinking and, and enjoy um because i find it sort of uh, endlessly interesting yeah it's a great beer <clears throat> definitely one of my favorites um i think i told this story before but when i was uh, on my beer bible tour uh, I was doing a lot of media and everybody, m- mostly these people don't really write about beer. So every single one of them said, what's your favorite beer? Uh, which is an unanswerable question. So I just used the opportunity to always give a different answer <laughs> and work kind of cycle through all my favorite beers that I thought people should be drinking. Uh, but Saison DuPont was one I mentioned routinely. Yeah. It's an amazing so it, beer. Yeah. So it, it, it ticks two boxes for me. It's an amazing beer, uh, and but it's also one that I could drink a lot of uh, and keep drinking and sure. drinking um, day after day and still be very um, happy, not get not get tired of it, at least I believe. So. Yeah, it's that sweet spot of uh, flavor intensity, but not too intense. Exactly. Yeah. 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 All right. So that's, that's my first uh, Desert Island or uh, social isolation beer. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, should I? Should we? We hadn't coordinated about how to do this. I have a Belgian. Should I mention my Belgian, which was not says the Saison Dupont? Sure. That sounds like a good place to go. I thought that I should have something wild in there because I like the flavor of wild yeast. Yes. Uh, and this is where you know five. You get five beers. So this is another thing. It hones the mind. One has to think very carefully about. Oh yeah, I don't know if we did. Which we say slots. that? Did we say that we get five beers? If we didn't, yeah, we, five beers. Okay, yeah, if we didn't. We limited it to five, but I've kind of cheated, yeah. so we'll see. Okay, of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> You're an economist. You know, you know nothing about numbers. <laughs> no, uh, I know. I know nothing uh, about constraints. That's damn, true. Damn the constraints. <laughs> Just change the model. <laughs> exactly. Change the assumption. <laughs> uh, so the one that I went with, I, I went with for a goods which are the Belgian beers that are made. They're Belgian Lambics that have yeah. uh, blends of three different eight vintages of beer. Mm-hmm. And I was recently uh, working on the, the Lambic 
part of my book uh, that I turned in and had went and, and bought a beer because I was craving it so much. Uh, and I was in Belgium and had some of these beers there too. So I've been drinking these quite a bit over the last few months, and I was reminded again how extraordinary they are. And they are also very flavor forward, but they're between five and six percent mm-hmm. alcohol, and the flavors because of the 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 blend of vintages are actually quite harmonious, and so they're fairly sessionable, um, which. You know, if you're a bud drinker and you've never had even craft beer, you would not think that they were sessionable. But right. I maintain that I maintain that position, nevertheless. Uh, so the one that I went for, and I could select a different one each day of the week, but I wrote down for the purposes of our exercise, Harardin 1882. So Harardin is one of the classic uh, brewers and blenders in. Uh, in the Payotten land region. And they do a slightly weird thing. It's usually one, two, and three-year-old Lambic, and they do 12, 18, and 24-month-old Lambic for this beer. Mm. Um, but it, it uh, I think, so I think it's a little bit more lively in the glass, a little bit more. It has less of those aged characteristics, mm-hmm. which means it has a few more spiky characters. Young, young Lambic is pretty spiky and aggressive, and old Lambic is drier and more austere. So... Right, you get a slightly different character, but for the moment, I think I would go for Herardin eighteen eighty two. That's my first selection. Excellent. That's a good. That's a good call. Okay, uh, you know what? I'm going to stop for a moment and say that we'd like to thank Breakside Brewery for sponsoring the Beervana Show. In 2020, Breakside is celebrating its tenth anniversary by launching a new series of one-off IPAs, including Hail Nelson. The brewery is still offering these beers to go at all three locations, and you can find their regular lineup at retailers throughout the Northwest. So as we mentioned before, you can find Breakside Beer in all your favorite retail locations, and then you can go to the, all three of their retail, uh, their own uh, pubs and brewery in Milwaukee, and uh, get beer to go from there. And I just can't emphasize this enough, so I'll do it again. Support your local brewery and, and, and buy their beer. Uh-huh. If you can buy it from the brewery, if that's convenient for you, that's really a help to them. But but buy beer now uh, from breweries you want to stay in business because like those numbers we read earlier uh, suggest this is a tenuous time. So Yeah, I mean, it's all about cash flow. And if they can get a little bit of cash flowing, they can hopefully st- stay afloat yeah. during this time. So I think that uh, this is an, a case where you as a consumer can actually have a really significant impact on, on local businesses. and. Um, these are businesses that at least Jeff and I don't want to go away. So absolutely, and especially so support them, especially Breakside Brewery. I've got one of my slots is the Hoppy American Ale slot, which I I assume you have one of those slots too. And uh, you did, there's a number of beers from Breakside I could put in that that category. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a great that's a great lead in because I I did and I and I had a lot of trouble with this yeah, one as you me might imagine because you because you got to have a hoppy beer. You do and. And I and I and I I am into the to the hazies for sure. I really love the flavor profile of hazies. I could take a piece of haze, whatever. I don't care. But I also kind of like the the old little bit of old school, you know, triple C or Cascade forward uh, hoppy beers too. So uh, so I was in a bit of a of a, of a conundrum. Uh, I'll tell you where I landed. Mm. I decided that the modern profile. I'm going to go for the modern profile. So I decided to go for a hazy, and 
with my criteria that I gave you, something that's easy to find, something that comes in at a good price point, and something that I think I could just drink a whole lot of, I'm actually going to go with the hazy little thing from Sierra Nevada. Wow. Far out. Yep. Look at that. A new, yep. a, a new a kind of mass market hazy uh, built for supermarkets getting Patrick's call. That's quite a feather in their cap. I was going to say, it's not my favorite hazy. Like there's others that I prefer more, but I was thinking about the whole world, uh, the whole United States at least, <laughs> and access. you have access to a really fine beer uh, at a really good price and uh, something that um, I, I think they've, they've sacrificed maybe a little bit of distinctiveness, but it's also made it very, um, uh, very drinkable. And um, I could, I could, I could enjoy it for quite a long time, I think, in my, in my social isolation. Well, that's, that's quite a, uh, an impressive nod to uh, that beer, which I really like a lot too. I think it's a great beer. Now here, now here's where I'm going to cheat. Which is, I'm going to give you my second place when I was, (laughs) so my, so I really was struggling with what do I do uh, about sort of wanting this kind of little bit of old school and also maybe something that was you know kept kept the alcohol down. It, you'll notice that everything I chose is going to be fairly low alcohol because I'd rather I'd rather enjoy and not get drunk uh, because I want to be sharp for the zombies when they come. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I had this I had sort of American IPA slash pale category, and I finally, after lots and lots of revolutions decided that my second place for this category was the shoots mirror pond wow another old school choice that's amazing <laughs> i think it's a great choice i i, I there was actually a thing going on twitter uh, where, where some people were had rediscovered mirror pond and were finding it delicious and i i i have no complaint with that choice at all yeah i mean i think i've you know i was i've been looking at the brewery association stuff and i kind of knew that some of these legacy Legacy brands were doing a little bit better all of a sudden. And so, I don't know, maybe my mind was put there. But I was thinking, you know, Mirror Pond is a great, great beer. It's an, it's an, it's one of the oldest recipes around, right? Like, we talked to John Harris about it. and uh, But it's got this sort of classic Cascade pale ale profile with, you know, caramel malt and Cascade hops. And uh, it's just something I think that I would enjoy and, and can drink a lot of. So, uh, now I've cheated because that's my second place. That's not actually on my list, but we've now <laughs> talked about it. <laughs> well, Cezanne Dupont was in my Herardin list too, so in its slot too. So there you are. <laughs> so, so that's that's how this economist optimizes <laughs> in my list of five. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so in my hoppy slot, I went exactly the opposite direction. <laughs> uh, All right, let's hear it. Yeah, I I also struggled with this because there are, the, the the challenge here is there's just so many beers. And incidentally, I I hear you that you're cracking a beer, which is great. I'm drinking Fort George. Oh, and by the way, do you want to know what this beer is? Which speaking of hoppies, the one that you're pouring out now is Ecliptic's Ecliptic's Hazy uh, Phaser. Oh, that's such a good Hazy beer. IPA. Yeah, see, yeah. I would be happy to have that beer on there. That would be great. Yep, uh, yep, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I could I could I could name you like six different hazies are all very fantastic so uh uh but i just decided to go for the one that was that was widely available and at a good price and i think i think it's a, it's a quite a quite a respectable hazy i'm drinking a fort george fanzine which mm. is a new beer by by fort george and it was the beer that won the gold medal at this year's oregon beer awards in the uh, ipa category oh is that right and i wanted to check it out yeah i think you mentioned yeah. that on the previous podcast. it is full of mosaic and you know my position on that. Yeah. So if you if you really like Mosaic, this is your beer. All right. Awesome. 
That's nice, but I would have City of Dreams in the future. <laughs> I was about to say, uh, that's great. I'm really glad that you have a couple of mosaic. But how do you feel about that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's nice. It's it, it does scratch my IPA itch, which is good. I love mosaic, so I'm gonna, I'll go find some. Yeah, everybody does. That's why I won the, the, the gold medal. Um, yeah, so I went, I decided, uh, this is a one that I decided, you know what, if I'm going to have hops, if I'm in a mood for hops, I want the full hop load. I want the steam engine coming right down my mouth. Okay. And I started thinking about hoppy beers and one just kept popping back into my mind. Like, which one do I want? Which one do I want? The same beer kept popping back into my mind. And it was Pliny the Elder. Ah, I love that beer. Uh-huh. Every time I have that beer, I'm just staggered by how good it is. Wow. And I'm certain that I could drink that the rest of my life. <laughs> it's old school. It's Piney. It's uh, amazing. Mm. And I, I think that's the one I would take. And it's – I, I I actually like it a little bit better than Blind Pig, which is their regular IPA, uh-huh. which is why I would choose it. But I, I don't know that I would like the alcohol content. That's one, the one downside. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of a big It beer. is what it is. Well, that's a that's a that's an extraordinary choice. That's awesome. You know, I don't think I've had that in three, four years. So I have a hard time conjuring up. I mean, I I, I have a pretty good memory of it, but but it, it. Well, I joke, I joke that it's Piney the Elder because it's so piney. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I um. I remember the days when I just loved those dank, super piney IPAs, yeah. and I still and I still do. It's just they're harder to find now. So that's a good choice. It, yeah, I mean, if you told me it had to be Wanderlust, uh, I would be all over that. If you said it had to be RPM uh, from Boneyard, I'd I'd be all over that. Yeah. So you know, there's a lot of directions to go here, but uh, yeah, that was the one that came to my mind. And for all of you playing at home, um, <laughs> you're going to have to ping us on Twitter uh, which one you like there because we know that you all have IPAs. So let us know. Give us your five on the Twitter at the Beervana. Wait, what is the, the Twitter? It's still called, it's still Beervana Pod, at Beervana Pod, right? It is. We left it with at Beervana Pod, indeed. At Beervana Pod. So go to at Beervana Pod and give us your five when you hear this. All right. So the next category will not surprise you at all. And it will also not surprise you that this is one where I could have picked one of of – very many these days. But a few years ago, I would not be able to say the same thing, which is I would definitely for sure have a Pilsner. Mm-hmm. And I imagine you have a Pilsner too. Is that correct? I do indeed. Yeah. And yours is probably like some good, you know, super uh, classic example from Germany. Uh, but mine's not. I'm going domestic, I'm going domestic Pilsner. Um, as I said, this is almost like a roll of the dice. I mean, I, literally, I could pick six Pilsners. And again, what I decided was to go for a Pilsner that's pretty widely available, at least around here, and uh, awesome, which is the Freem Pils. Yeah, hard, hard to go wrong. Another gold medal winner at the Oregon Brewers Awards. So there you are. It's such a good Pils. But I could, you know, Breakside is a great Pils. Zoyo House is one of my favorite Pils because it's a North German, little little hoppier version. Uh, there's so many good Pilsners around. It's, it's, it's amazing how spoiled for choice we are. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we were texting earlier about um, Wayfinder now delivering it. They make it. A couple of good pilsners. Yeah, but they're delivering the the, the extra good one, the uh, double decocted one. Right? <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think. I think for the most part, Kevin decocks all his lagers. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's a really good beer. The check. So uh, my pilsner is free and pills. What's yours? 
Well, you said I would pick one from Germany, which is apostasy, and I condemn you. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I, didn't, I wasn't thinking as I spoke. That was ridiculous. <laughs> what was I? Well, I can't even believe I said that. You're right. I feel, yes. I feel completely ashamed and embarrassed. Uh, I don't know. There's too many beers already tonight. So clearly you have exactly. one from the Czech Republic or Czechia. I, I do indeed. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go with a beer that lives in my dreams, literally. Uh, I think about this beer all the time, and it's the one beer that I regret I can never get. It's from a brewery called Unitikia uh, Pivovar, or Unitikia 10, uh, is what you see on the when you order it. Um, and it's spelled U-N-E-T-I-C-E mm-hmm. is how you spell it. Uh, and it's got diacritics there, which I won't get into, but... Uh, <laughs> So, you know, it's it's a classic Pilsner uh, style. The 10 indicates the Play-Doh. All the beers there are uh, will have a, a numeral after the name, <clears throat> which tells you how strong the beer mm-hmm. is. They make two. They make a 10 and a 12. The 12 is the more, uh, you know, for the Czechs, that would be considered the more premium or kind of like luxurious version. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the 10 was the one that the Vychepny just – man it blew my life so good it was it was funny it was a little bit hazy and it's it's a brewery that is not that old now uh maybe 10 years old and when i was there in 2014 it was a fairly recent fairly young brewery at that point and we toured the brewery and the guy said when they first started making beer they had to rush it onto the market because they were in that situation where they were hemorrhaging money. Right. And so they only lagered it for two weeks and it was still hazy. Uh-oh. And people loved it. So then they started lagering it for a month and it dropped clear. And everyone said, it doesn't taste very good. It was so much better when it was hazy. What did you, what did you do with that great beer that you had? Exactly. So they had to make basically like a Pilsner, uh, a Czech version of Keller beer. Right. Um, they continued to uh, lager it for a month, but um, figured out how to bring a little bit of haze back. But it, it's just, it's insanely crisp, intense malt flavor from, I don't know where their malt, uh, which malt house they're using, just wonderful. And then, you know, those those waves of, of saws hops that are to die for. Yeah. So it's it's a perfect beer. Oh, um, my mouth's watering. You know, I mean, honestly, at this point in my life, if, if I had to survive on one beer, it would probably be a, a an English Cascale or a Pilsner just because, you know, day in and day out, those are workhorse beers. And I could definitely survive on, on Unitica 10 for sure. And now in Chechia, is that known as a Svetli Lejak or is that, what do they call it? What do they not? That's a, uh, uh, a Vychepny. So Lejak is the slightly stronger version. Ah, okay. Svetli means pale and uh, Vychepny is the, is the weaker version. So the 10, gotcha. 10 Play-Doh. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Uh, well, that sounds yeah. fantastic <laughs> as well. It is. And by the way, this this beer is relatively common in the Czech Republic. So if you go, you can find it pretty easily. And it's becoming quite a well-known beer, like a lot of people talk about it in revered tone. So it's not super obscure if you get into the Czech Republic. Okay. Uh, yeah. So if you can social distance and find your way to Czechia, then go That's for it. That's right. That's right. Oh, <laughs> let's pray to God the brewery survives. It's good thing. It's good thing I'm here for more practical selection. So. All right. Well, well, you, yes, you, right. you mentioned it, so let's go there. Let's talk about the English. Uh, uh, it was obvious that we would both pick a, a traditional English beer. Um, yes. And you already called it. My choice was 
Fuller's London Pride. But because I understand that Fuller's London Pride is one, harder to get, and two, really hard to get in any way that's fresh and lovely, uh, ESB is probably a, uh, a better choice if you see it in the store because it travels a lot better um, and is often in better shape when you open it. But if it were me and I could get it fresh, I would drink London Pride all day. Yeah, I agree. I'm still irritated at London Pride or at Fuller's for not having London Pride on the ship when I went there, and so I mixed the, I, I I eradicated them from my list. <laughs> I'm punishing them. Right. You don't you don't have London Pride on the first Fuller's pub I stop at in London. You you must suffer a penalty. That that's is, an I mean, that's just foul. that's just that's just unconscionable. I mean, that's their flagship <laughs> beer. Oh, it's everywhere. It's and. <laughs> And then, and then their flagship pub. Yeah, wow, that's terrible. I know in that, London, London, England. So something, I something chose, very wrong happened there. It, totally. Yeah. So because I was in Manchester this last time, and I got to drink m m more of the Manchester uh, or the North uh, English bitters. And I started to appreciate the dryness that they bring, mm. uh, kind of pale dryness. I was thinking of those. And the best pint I had on my trip, my last trip, was Timothy Taylor Landlord, which mm -hmm. I weirdly had when I was in uh, London. When I had it in, that same beer in Manchester, it wasn't as fresh, which right. was the, the bakeries of Cascale. <laughs> uh, but it is extraordinary beer. It's one of the most famous cask bitters in the, the world. And people in the UK kind of sort themselves depending on whether they're Harvey's fans or Fuller's fans or landlord's fans. But uh, landlord definitely has uh, many partisans who consider it the best bitter in the world. And, and uh, I'm punishing Fuller's and I'm agreeing. <laughs> well, and I'm in no position to argue because that's one, one that I have not had, but I'll just put in it. Oh uh, yeah. Unless you, unless, yeah, unless you one. gave it to me while I was there with you, but um, I believe that was not one that we were able to, to sample the time. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, I will say just I'll put in a word in general for these types of beers, which is they're in, uh, extremely sessionable. They're low alcohol. They're they're malt forward, so they really satisfy an itch that uh, is different, especially when, uh, for me, uh, when skies get a little bit overcast and there's a little bit of a nip in the air, I really find these very warm, comforting, comforting beers. But at the same time, you know, if you're on a hot, a hot sunny day, uh, they're 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 light and sessionable, and um, they really come with these flavor, these sort of uh, biscuity, malty flavors, which are which are lovely, and then have this delicate overlay of of, of soft English hops, which I just I, I find them absolutely delightful. Totally. All right, so now I'm on to my last. Yeah, we're, let's let's bring it on home. So that so that's four. I had my I had my Saison Dupont. I had my Hazy Little Thing. I had my Freem Pills and my Fuller's London Pride. And so here is where I this you're really going to be blown away by this one. So I was thinking, okay, I want some kind of fruity beer. I want a fruit. I kind of want a fruit beer. And I thought a lot about lambics and sours and things like that. And I just thought, you know, I'm not going to have like a fridge full of these beers. So I started thinking about like a beer that I could sit in social isolation that would kind of take me away someplace that would take me on this sort of emotional and mental journey. And I eventually wound up at, and then again, another beer that hopefully is a little bit more widely available at Wailua Wheat from Kona Beer. <laughs> okay. That is an unexpected choice. Really unexpected. 
and unexpected for me as well. You know, it's not a world beater. It it's a it's a lovely beer though. It's weird though because if you're if you go to Hawaii and you get it fresh, you really taste the passion fruit. It's wheat beer with passion fruit. Um, it's not. It's very subtle passion fruit. And I think the uh, I'm not exactly sure how brewer, how it's brewed differently there versus here. But if you're in Hawaii, there are special six packs that are marked brewed locally, and those are the ones to get. Um, but why I picked it was because it's you know it's a great summer beer summer's coming and it just it for me it just uh evokes this this sort of tropical beach mindset that i thought was a real nice comfort in this socially isolating days there you go yeah i i was pretty sure we were going to go in different directions on this last one because i gotta have a dark ale there and i know uh i was pretty sure dark ales were not going to make it into your top five yeah, although although here's another cheat. This is because I have my runner up, which is, um, and and I probably would have switched. It's just that right now we're in spring, going into summer, and I was still thinking of the coronavirus. So I'm thinking like by the fall we might, and that's when I start thinking about dark ales. Yeah. So I did actually think about porters and stouts, and I had like, uh, well, we'll go back, we'll circle back. Go ahead, why don't you go ahead. Well, that's exactly the direction I went in because porters and stouts are are I've always just been uh, one of my favorites, and and when it's when it's dark and cold outside, I got to have them. Um, and sometimes yeah, even, I knew you'd have one on your yeah, list. Yeah, yeah, it's predictable. <laughs> um, and I considered putting Guinness Extra Stout on there. The thing is, uh, I'm pretty sure that recipe has changed a little bit. It used to have some lactic acid or some little kind of mm-hmm. more funky thing, which is uh, yeah, kind of. Um, evaporate it's it's going away a little bit oh really uh its levels are less and less so if i could take a guinness stout from 1990 that would be one extra stout from 1990 that would be one thing but that's kind of uh now we're getting into pretty uh theoretical territory so uh i was thinking also of uh, a baltic porter uh, one of the polish baltic porters which i really love uh uh uh, it makes a really good one. I don't know. I've never known how to pronounce the brewery's name. <laughs> and I considered that, but that's a huge beer, and I don't know that I want that all the time. So I I thought, you know what? Actually, one of the best beers in the world, and it just doesn't sell very well at all, is a, is a Schwarz beer. Um, it, it's, a, it's not actually an oh. ale. It's a dark lager. But you get the roastiness. You get the, the full flavor. You get all the all the character you want out of a porter or a stout. Uh, but it's also a little bit drier. It's a little smoother and there are some good examples here our friend alan taylor makes a great one uh but i you know i think i'd just go for one of the classics uh which is kostricher uh a german schwarz beer uh it's a little bit uh kulmbach makes another one it's theirs is is fuller and rounder and i like the drier roastier version uh we have a, a couple of pubs in town run by the same company uh Prost and Stomtich, where they serve all German beer. And mm-hmm. they almost always have uh, Kostritzer on tap. Um, and I have it 75% of the time I walk in there. I look at all the beers, and they have amazing German beers. They only serve German imports. And I look through the list, and I I often end up with uh, a Schwarz beer just because I love it so much. And I thought, you know what? I would, I think I would just be really happy to have that around all the time. So that's my pick. Yeah. So I, I did, as I said, I did, I, I debated and I decided because summer is coming, I went summer versus what I consider fall and winter. But 
uh, but not surprisingly, again, because I'm trying to think of of good price points widely available. I went for the Guinness Extra Stout if that was my that was my sixth place beer. Ah, wow! All right, I I, I do like me the Guinness, survive. but, but honestly, I haven't had an extra stout in quite a number of years. So uh, I did I do like that sort of lactic that lactic bite they used to have. It was mm-hmm. I, I thought it was kind of part of their classic character actually. So I'm surprised. Oh, it was part of their classic character. Yes, it is. And I pressed. I'm surprised that it's fading. I pressed Stephen Kilcullen on this a lot, and uh, as always, the brew is incredibly evasive. <laughs> but I love, I love, I love Guinness. My my blog sponsor, yeah, uh, the Guinness fact, Brewing Company, one fact, of the finest. I, in the world, I have, so. I, uh, I have no objection, and uh, I would be quite happy to be served just the regular Guinness draft. So. Just give yeah, me, absolutely. You Another know, you great. Just sit around with those all day long, and the Irish, of course, do. <laughs> We're all evening long, uh, and and so yeah, yeah. So that that's a perfectly fine substitution, especially since my Wailu my Wailu wheat, a crazy diversion. But but for me, you know, I like to dream of sitting on a on a tropical beach in Hawaii in the middle of my social isolation. So yeah, it's true. It's really interesting. I think if we did this same exercise. Uh, if we'd done it in October, I bet you would not have said Wailu or we, we No, think, for sure, for sure. No. I think you're you're dreaming of the sunshine. I am. I'm already starting to think about summer now because I'm <laughs> we've been homeschooling and everything. So I'm like, let's get it. Let's get <laughs> you, really, you want to be on a Hawaiian beach right about now? That's right. Okay. Well, uh, we should probably move on. Um, we have. Uh, yeah, I think we're kind of getting long in the tooth here, so maybe we should just do one of these. Uh, Mailbags. Uh, mailbags. Yeah. We'll do, and if we haven't answered your question, we'll we'll get to it next time. Yeah. Um, so why don't, why don't you pick? Why don't you pick the mailbag question that we're going to do and read it to us? Let's do. Uh, let's just. We'll take the first one from Jason Fleming. I was listening to the latest pod on cellaring, okay. so this goes back to our cellar pod, uh, which was fascinating. Thank you, Jason. Uh, and I have a further question about the storage of cork beers. I have a decent amount of bottles from Degard and Freem with corks. At what point do I not store them upright? If I have it longer than six months or do it immediately, can I just roll the box there made in, uh, uh, made for transporting beer on its side? Or should I go find some wine storage best practices and follow those? Thanks in advance. So, uh, you probably know the answer to this. Uh, well, no, I wouldn't venture to embarrass myself on the, on, but I do know what I saw at Freem itself. So go ahead. Oh, you will tell us that first before I make a fool. No, because you'll make. <laughs> <laughs> like a That's exactly what you're after, isn't it? So, <laughs> Freem, of course, uh, they have some uh, cork and cage beers, and they condition them on site, and they store them horizontally. Yeah, so I, I think you could, you're always safe to go horizontally. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just, you know, if, if you know you're not going to have them for very long, you're going to drink them within six months. It honestly, it's not going to be a big problem, no matter what. You know, that's not enough time to uh, for that cork to dry out and you to have run into any problems. Uh, and you know, there there is most breweries still use corks, so there is some chance that that cork is not totally right. So if you're drinking it fast, there's some argument to be made for for standing them up. But I think it's fine to lay lay them down immediately. It, just get into the habit, like you would with a bottle of wine, to lay it down immediately. Uh, and, and yeah, you can toss, you can toss that crate over on its side. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what Freem does is they have these uh, crates that, you know, these fairly rigid crates and they just, they just stack them on. The side. I mean, if you, you know, I think most of the wine racks are designed for, 
uh, impressing the people who come over so you can walk over to your wine and display it and pull it off the rack and impress everyone. But really, you just want to get it horizontal. Yep. Just keep some moisture on that cork and make sure it doesn't dry out. So, so there you go. So you might as well just go ahead and start, start to put them on their sides. Yeah. The one, I suppose, caveat for a, um, for a, uh, a bottle conditioned beer is that you might be for serving, turn it upright and let it settle. Let that, let that sediment settle in the bottom of the bottle. Um, and then, uh, and then serve after it's had a chance to sort of, uh, got, get into the bottom of the bottle. If you don't want that settlement in your glass sediment in your glass which most people don't yeah that's a, that's an excellent note and um if it's been laying on its side for a long time uh that that yeast sediment will have actually kind of adhered to the side of the bottle and you won't have any trouble but if you haven't which you missed it yeah right. then you're right patrick that is a very good note all right well i think that uh that wraps up this uh podcast i hope that we've given you some good suggestions um, I'm sure that mine are much uh, more useful than Jess's. They're uh, definitely more my, useful, uh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went, I went for some deep cuts, but you know, hey, that's you gotta. Somebody's got to be uh, championing these European beers. Absolutely, and it might motivate you to go out to the to your local beer store in Oregon. At least the beer stores will do like curbside delivery and stuff, so you can you can still find your good exotic beer. So, that's so right. give yourself give yourself a treat. Go find some. Uh, once again, we'd like to extend a hearty thank you to Breakside Brewery for sponsoring this episode of the Beer Vana Show. You can find them in Portland and Milwaukee, Oregon, or at breakside.com. And as we mentioned, Breakside is uh, selling out the front door of their three locations, so go find some fresh beer there. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate us. Five stars, please. <laughs> that helps other listeners find the show. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, so please send your questions or comments and send us your top five. What what top five beers would you stock in your fridge during this uh, episode of quarantining? Uh, to Jeff at BeervanaBlog.com or on Twitter at BeervanaPod. If we get a few of these, we can read them out loud. I think it'll be interesting to hear what people say. So please send uh, your your, uh, your top five long. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff blogs at the Beervana blog and he tweets at, at Beervana. And Patrick tweets at Beeronomics. He also tweets at, uh, if you're here in, in Oregon, uh, at Oregon Econ. Yeah. Yep. Oregon Econ. That's right. Uh, and he's tracking, he's doing some uh, statistical tracking of the coronavirus. So if you're interested in that, uh, at Oregon Econ is another thing to look at. Yeah. I'm just making sure that I, that I, that that was right. No, it's Oregon Economics. <laughs> Sorry, at oh. Oregon e at Oregon Economics. The whole, the whole thing. <laughs> Let's get it right. <laughs> you said that. You said that. And I thought. Oh wait a minute. Uh, that's how bad my brain is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And actually, because I've got so much time on my hand, I'm actually tweeting a bit more these days. Uh, at least on that front. Right. I don't know if I've done much on beeronomics, but all right. Oh, I'm gonna. I have my phaser. My phaser. My ecliptic phaser hazy IPA. that I'm gonna cheers you with Jeff. Yeah, and I have a bottle and a glass, so listen to this. Oh, that's sounds terrible. Let's try that again. Yeah, I've got the old bottle go. of uh, Gigantic here, so I can do that as well. Uh, I don't know where my... you hear that? Yeah, there we are. There you go. <laughs> Crude. All right, perfect. <laughs> hey, that's that's what the, the, the times call for. So stay safe, stay healthy, everybody, and uh, cheers, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, stay safe, everybody. All right, cheers, Patrick.